Welcome back to another week of the Base Training Podcast. Um, I'm here with myself, obviously, Will and Stefan, as usual. Um, and this week we're going to be talking a little bit about tactical athletes, what they are, a bit of an introduction to them. And we're going to be doing a bit of a series on this and talking about, um, or specifically about different branches of what a tactical athlete might be, the physical requirements, how you might approach preparing yourself for those um, tasks. Um, but as always, I'm going to quickly tell where you can find us so we can get that out of the way. Um, you can find myself, Lee Carter, at Lee Carter UK on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can email me at lee. at base.training. Lee at base.training. <laughs> lee at base.training. Um, <laughs> where, where can everyone find you? Um, so you can email me, will at base.training, find me on Instagram, uh, coach underscore will underscore strathy, uh, Facebook, will strathy health and fitness coach, and LinkedIn is just will strathy. Stefan, where can everyone find you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, coach underscore Stefan underscore Winder, find me on LinkedIn, Stefan Winder MSC. You can find me on Facebook, Stefan Winder, Strength and Movement Coach, or you can email me, Stefan at training. Awesome. And if you want more information about base training as a whole, you can head to the website, www.base.training, or email us, info at base.training, or you can head on to Instagram, which is where we do most of our stuff, um, on Base Training UK. So see some pictures and find some insights into how we operate. So, tactical athletes, um, let's get a definition off each of us, I think might be cool, um, and uh, see if they differ in any way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Will, what, what would you define a tactical athlete as? How would you define it? Because there is no real um, definition, exactly. I'm going to be honest, um, but the term tactical athlete is pretty new to me. Um, maybe three or four months ago um, and the way that I was kind of told about it then and the way that kind of does stick with me and makes sense is someone who uses their body for their job um, but when obviously you put the term tactical in there like the, the kind of jobs that spring to mind are like, uh, like military type personnel and emergency surface type personnel um, so somebody that uses their body for work in a tactical and semi-tactical fashion. Yeah, it's that ta- word tactical, isn't it? It kind of yeah. is a little bit misleading. Um, what about you, Stefan? Yeah, very similar, actually. Um, I, I would agree with Will. So I think a tactical athlete is anyone that, like, their body is their vehicle for work. So um, anything that's kind of very manual, manual labour type, um, but obviously, yeah, that, that word tactical, it has a multitude of areas that it covers. Um, but yeah, tend to be kind of, when we talk about tactical, more towards emergency services, military, special forces. Yeah, again, pretty similar. We're all going to be pretty similar as we, <laughs> we share similar principles and values. Um, for me, it's, it's very much someone that uses their body to protect others or needs their body to protect themselves and needs it to be operating at a um, high physical level 
and, or reacting to a higher physical demand. And again, for me, again, with my experience being in the military, um, it is very much military focused and that's where my mind leads me to when I hear that term, tactical athlete. So we kind of alluded to it, tactical athlete encompasses, um, if we were to tighten it up into a box, military and special forces, so that's the army, navy and the air force, and then the special forces arms on top of that, the SS, the SBS, and there's others. Um, well, they're the more well-known. The police um, and like the counter-terrorism areas, like they've got undercover a lot and those different areas of that, firearms teams and things like that. Uh, firefighters, again, there's, uh, I think there's like high-risk firefighters as well, um, which do like specialist Fires. I'm not 100% sure of that, but we understand the physical requirements of them. Um, and then we've got like paramedical, um, so ambulance, uh, the air ambulance and things like that, mountain rescue, I, I suppose you could encompass into that as well. Um, and uh, I think there's even, like, especially in places like Australia and America, where there's uh, high levels of bushfires and things like that you've got um people that like parachute into the into the fire and then fight the fire from there i'm not sure what they're called and i think there's a film about them somewhere so mass of requires a uh, a massive amount of physical capability and literacy um, to be able to carry out those tasks really well you'll be picking things up lifting things uh, running sprinting shooting and the thing is like this having that physical capability to be able to keep your composure to do your job yeah is uh, the most important part yes that mental acuity isn't it i suppose if you're a paramedic you might not necessarily need to be the most the physically fit person out there like as in like the comparison to a special forces soldier you don't need to be able to run 100 miles with a heavy bag on your back in x amount of time you just need to be able to lift things well, carry out your task, like you said, carry out tasks, but you need to be mentally acute. And that's one of the benefits of physical fitness. Yeah, I suppose like we come back to our definition of fitness there, don't we? It's the ability to meet the demands of your environment. And a lot of people forget that. They think they have to be just like fit at everything in order to be classified as fit, but you don't. You just need to be fit enough to meet the demands of your specific environment. So going back to your comparison, special forces, they need to go miles and miles and miles, go behind enemy lines, and they need to lug a lot of kit there that don't want to be detected. So that's replicated in training, whereas a paramedic, they just need to be fit enough to lift the body, but know that they're strong enough to do that so that they can remain focused at the task and not worry like, oh, my fitness is going to let me down here. It's like, no, I know that I can do, I have these attributes so I can just focus mentally on what I need to do so I can stay calm and potentially save someone's life. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I think it's important to understand that fact that you don't need to be elite fit to carry out your job. Um, it, it's actually, I think up until that military, I think you can kind of step up, start stepping up in towards the elite levels of fitness. Um Really, you just need to be healthy. Basic uh, principles of health apply to these roles with some specific elements in there. Um, like Stefan alluded to, in the, for a paramedic, they need to be able to lift up a stretcher from the floor 
put them onto a bed to wheel them into the um, into the ambulance for a firefighter. They may need to carry someone out of a burning building. So there needs to be an element of specificity in there. Um, and that's going to come through strength training or it might come through increased aerobic training. Um, it really is individual as, 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 as our philosophy seems to bring out every single time. It is individualised. Um, the demands are different to each person. When it comes to um, the physical requirements, have you guys worked with many of like anyone, many people in those roles, whether it be police, military? Like I've got a bit of experience with the military more so. Um, where have you guys been working? Whether it's medics, doctors, that sort of thing. Um, the closest I'd say I would have come to is working with like a doctor that would have been mainly a uh, like hospital doctor um, that may have had the opportunity to like be on call and go out to like a car crash and something, but for the most part, like, I haven't worked with anyone that I would like, classify as a tactical athlete. Yeah, doc- I think doctors are well up there. Like We all used to work in Cambridge with Adam yeah. Brooks Society. We had a lot of doctors. Like They are on their feet. For 16 hour shifts <laughs> they need to be fit they need to be aerobically fit and have a high level of muscular endurance uh, we can forget about things like that and again like we said that ta- word tactical is misleading in that you may be a postman but could we class a postman as a tactical client they need to be physically fit if they're walking about all day they need to have like good lower limb function, they're carrying a heavy bag full of mail, like, can we start to um, utilise some of these ideas that we're thinking with more specifically, again, to that misleading term into the military and start to utilise some of those things for people that you wouldn't necessarily think that. Whereas someone just sitting at a desk all day, they may not need to have extremely high levels of muscular endurance is that gonna? Is their training session going to? to that, is the training session that they need to be put through to achieve really high levels of muscular endurance going to make them less acute during the day at their work potentially? Whereas for something like I said, for someone that is um, gonna be a postman, if you're t- twenty-one stone and you're five foot eight, and you you're you've just got a job as a postman, like you're not gonna be doing very well at your job. It's like, unless you're driving there, <laughs> but if you're in, a, in an area where you're walking about, then yeah, you're, it's going to be a struggle for you. So, given that thinking, again, I suppose removing that word tactical, I think there's probably a better word out there that we could start using. But what is that word? Exactly, that's hard. That uh, language is very vague, unfortunately. <laughs> it doesn't always do us favours. You can, you can tell that when someone says, I have pain. <laughs> What's pain? Oh, it's just this thing that I don't like. Where? Somewhere around here. <laughs> okay, you're pointing to your shoulder. Is that where the pain is? No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, language can be quite vague sometimes. So given that sort of redirection, have you worked with what you might consider an, in quote marks, tactical athlete? I'd say doctors then. 
uh, a car mechanic. Yep. But um, he actually did hurt himself. He was trying to replace an engine in a car. Um, and then during that process, actually like, did injure his back. Yeah. And then for the next, I think it was like six to eight weeks, I couldn't do anything, couldn't do his job. And he was uh, an independent car mechanic running his own business. So the next six to eight weeks for him became tough, like financially and mentally. He couldn't operate his own business and he was in pain. He wasn't earning any money. He was pretty much useless for eight weeks. Yeah. Yes, we started to see a quite a clear gap between those that start using their bod- need to use their bodies to a higher demand or higher level than those that potentially work in an office and are sat down most of the day at a computer. Um, the physical rec- fitness requirements aren't the same. They are very different. That's not to say that um, a person sitting at a desk can do that extremely effectively if they are extremely overweight, probably not. Uh, we then have to consider just their general health. <laughs> but um, for some, we can start to see a clear gap. We can start to delineate ones from others. And the gap becomes more obvious when you, if you think like you've got person A who sits sits down in their office eight hours a day. Person B, she's the my example, the car mechanic. If person A who's in the office hurts their back, they can still go to work and sit in their desk. They're going to be okay. They can still do their job. Person B now long no longer can do their job. So if you think about like a tactical athlete, like if their body goes out of function for a short period of time, they cannot do their job. And that becomes detrimental to maybe everyone around them. Yeah, one of the biggest problems in the military and why manning in the military is is struggles is because, especially during wartime, it's because people get hurt. (laughs) They can't use their body anymore, so they can't fight fact that's <laughs> pretty clear so the more robust that body is the higher chance they have of rec- recovering from an injury and and not re- re- sustain an injury in the first place and overuse injuries especially throughout um, <clears throat> the initial stages of training in the military are extremely high things like shin splints um, tendonitis in the knees and elbows the Marines, they do a lot of rope climbing. If you've never done rope climbing before, um, especially when you do a load of them, your elbows get torn to pieces just because of the load that they're under. Especially if you're not climbing the rope right, then you're just relying on brute force and upper body strength. Um, oh, raise it up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and I did my PTI course in the Army, my physical training instructor course, and we did a lot of rope climbing. Um, luckily, I I was fascinated by climbing ropes <laughs> before I did the course. So I did a lot of practice and managed to refine my technique. Actually went through that process of like doing it badly and my elbows being like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, and I'd come from a judo background, so it's similar in terms of grip endurance and strength. Um, so when I got there, I was kind of okay and I suppose slightly above the average level maybe. Um, whereas others that hadn't, been through that process and never climbed the rope before the amount of ropes that we were climbing they were in pieces like people at night barely able to bend and straight extend their arms icing them constantly so they didn't get pulled off the course um, and that's a very real uh, challenge especially for things like the Royal Marines if someone if a listener is considering 
um, life in the Marines or just going into them for a short period of time, then um, we have to consider like those what those requirements are. I know, Stefan, that you considered um, joining Marines at one point. Um, what sort of things did you were you considering when you were going through that process and even thinking about it? Good question. Uh, so, fortunately, um, the armed forces don't really hide what they expect of you in that like to join. They make it perfectly clear in black and white letters what they expect of you and the minimum standard that they expect. They do? Um, I was completely lied to. <laughs> they duped, hoodwinked me. <laughs> they did it again. It was all wrong. Um, so, yeah, you can go on any of the uh, the websites, Navy, Army, Air Force, and they will tell you um, what they expect if you're considering joining in terms of physical fitness. So I know for the Royal Marines, um, you have to do 4.8K, three-mile run. Uh, you do half of it as a squad run, so it's, you have to do it in 12 and a half minutes, which is done with an instructor, so it's like almost like a warm-up run. Then you have to do the mile and a half back, the way you came, best effort, and you have to beat 10 minutes 30. Um, so that's quite tough. If you've never really run before, done any road running, that's something you need to consider. You need to get familiar with that. You need to break in some comfortable shoes and you need to start running some miles on the on the road. Um, a lot of it is strength endurance based uh, in terms of physical testing. So they look at midline endurance. They do a sit-up test. Um, the minimum, well, the satisfactory standard, they call it, is 85 sit-ups to beat. So if you're used to uh, wedging your feet and creating a stable base in order to pivot from when you do your sit-ups, you need to stop doing that and you need to start doing it slow and controlled under tempo uh, because that's not going to be replicated in the test. You're going to be doing it freestanding, relying on your own stability to keep yourself grounded to the floor. You have to go through a full range of motion and do it to the sound of the beep. So practicing it, he can actually find the audio clips of all these tests on YouTube now. So there's no reason for you not to get familiar with it or do a baseline test to start working on it. Um, you actually do a push-up test to a beep as well. Um, they expect 60, 60 push-ups to beeps. Uh, so again, if you've never done a push-up before, that's something that you need to consider uh, working on that upper body, shoulder girdle stability, muscular endurance. Um, you have the pull-up test. So this is done overhand grip, so pronated grip on the on a wooden beam. So if you do it on a bar where you get a full grip, you need to consider finding a wooden plank that you can hang yourself from. Um, and they again, this is done to a beat. They expect 16 repetitions done to a beat. Um, swimming tests, obviously, being Marines, it's a, it's a naval fighting force, um, amphibious troops, so you need to be good at swimming. If you never swam before, get in the pool, start doing some length. Uh, your test will be a breaststroke. So learn breaststroke, get good at breaststroke, get comfortable being underwater, holding your breath, being able to touch the bottom of the deep end. Um, so yeah, those are like the, the primary fitness tests, but then a lot of it is just grit and determination as well. You'll be doing the endurance course down bottom field. Uh, you'll be doing uh, like stupid movements like bear crawls, duck walks, uh, inchworms, army crawls, if you've never heard of any of these, go on YouTube, have a look at them because you'll just be doing these for hours on end. You will pick up knocks and scrapes and cuts and bruises. So you have to be prepared for that and you have to 
have exposed yourself to higher volumes of these movements before you even consider joining like i cannot stress that enough because a lot of it is mental so if you pre-expose yourself to high volumes of these movements you'll be in the right mindset you'll be like i know i can do this because i've done it before whereas if you just go into it kind of blindfolded you've got a decent level of fitness you, you're probably not going to cut, uh, cut the mustard you're not going to make that level because you've never done these things before so you're likely going to get injured especially when you're doing it for hours and hours and hours on end like you can push yourself as hard as you can but you're probably just going to break yourself so yeah it's three days of very very intense work you don't really get much rest time much respite and if you've never done it in boots or anything like that as well get familiar with boots buy yourself a pair of boots break them in and start walking miles as well it's a it's hard it's arduous and that's just to get in when you actually start basic training it goes up another notch so you have to be prepared and you have to do your research yeah one of the things that jumps out to me throughout this discussion so far is just that the basic requirements of aerobic capability so your cardiovascular system and your level of muscular endurance just as a baseline level to start as a base level <laughs> pun intended uh, <laughs> as, as a to operate as a base to look to launch yourself forward from is is common across every sector of uh of the areas that we defined as what might be classed as a tactical athlete um and that could in, that includes people sitting at a desk as well like they just need basic health requirements and basic a basic health requirement is that you um have some sort of muscular endurance so you can stay seated all day that takes endurance um and uh to have aerobic capabilities you don't pass out and die <laughs> these are basic requirements of, of health as well um it's just that the the level of requirement will differ um but the way you get there will be very individualized to you as a person and be, will be very specific to the task um for instance someone attempting <coughs> special forces selection is going to need a slightly different kind of mu muscular endurance in specific parameters so they're going to need a very uh, enduring upper body to carry load especially around the shoulders for long periods of time whereas a doctor is going to need some uh, very like trying to think of the word in terms of muscular endurance they're going to need can't think of the word um endurance just generally muscular endurance generally so not very not specific just to the shoulders but just be able to maintain a relatively decent posture um to allow them to walk out walk around your hospital all day up and down stairs and so on and they're not going to be performing massive feats of strength so um is is strength necessarily a requirement for that person potentially not um so I think it's quite common across the board, which is interesting to me anyway. <laughs> the other one is that it's just, it has to be individualised. Like when we think of exercise, everyone thinks immediately of squats, chest presses on a machine, lat pull-downs, chin-ups, pull-ups, all that sort of thing. When it, it, that's, like, that's actually a very high level of exercise. Like it goes so much further down the continuum then you will think like down to the ability to control your fingers if you're someone that a craftsman that works with their hand you need quite dexterous fingers 
Um, if you're a surgeon, you need dexterous fingers. Like imagine a surgeon slumped over a patient for 12 hours doing like an intricate heart transplant. <laughs> These guys need a massive level of postural endurance, um, a massive level of uh, dexterity in the hand. So if you put some a surgeon through um, a workout where they've got to do high rep pull-ups into high rep power cleans into high rep kettlebell swings, which might be a CrossFit workout, and they tear their hands and get blisters everywhere, <laughs> they aren't going to be able to perform their job properly because they're probably most likely going to be in pain for that tw- a 12-hour surgery. So, um, again, it has, that has to be taken into account and then the programme has to be specific to task in mind and what's the fundamental objective. If you don't know that, you're just pissing in the wind, really, well, aren't you? Even so, like you, we've had the conversation about uh, two people that you work with that are doing the, the same test, yeah. yet how they're two very different styles of programming yeah. for the individual, but they're still going for the same goal. So like, that's even more evident of why it has to be individualised. They're going to do the same thing at the end of it, but they can't do the same thing to get there because it won't work for both of them. Yeah. And they've got the most arduous of tasks. They're going for special forces selection, but one is 30 plus years old and the other one is in his early 20s. Like, One has 12, 15 years of uh, experience of in like fitness and lifting weights and things and running and all this other stuff. Well, the other one has just played rugby like since they were little. Like, so their backgrounds were already very different. They've accumulated very different things. One needs a lot of strength work and very little aerobic training. One needs more um, muscular endurance work and a moderate amount of aerobic training, but very little strength work. So it's, it's very different, but like the goal is exactly the same. Um, so then it's a pass. That's the the goal is the same, but the process is different. Exactly. And that should apply to everyone and everywhere, really. Yeah, and I think like there are programs out there, like we're uh, good friends with the guys from Stoic Conditioning. Um, put, they put a very, very good product out there for um, people that might be on a budget. Um, people that just want a, a slightly more generic plan um, perfectly fine as well um, we advocate a specific individualised approach um, not we really believe in that um, I think that each person is going to uh, actually like, most people will respond to an individualised programme really really well um, and there are a group of people that will respond to a group program better than they would an individualized program because um, that's potentially where their mentality at, is at, for instance. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very in, it's but it's even still, it's individualized to that person. <laughs> their choice of program is still individualized to that person. Um, so, individualization in whatever way is is key um, to this. So, I think the basic requirements for any again in quote mark tactical athlete someone that uses their body uh, in their, their job or their life, which is everyone, <laughs> um, uh, it needs to be specific to task, like what is your fundamental objective? Um, and the basic fitness requirements is you need to have a level of aerobic capability and a level of muscular endurance before you start progressing. Any final thoughts, guys? I think it might be a good place to close it off. I think that's pretty pretty well summarised. Like, 
just because you're class up as a tactical athlete doesn't mean you're to the same degree as Mr. Joe Bloggs over in the Special Forces. Like, yes, you can classify yourself as a tactical athlete. He's very different to you as a, a paramedic. So you need to find out what your job role requires of you to be the best at it and train to be the best at your job. Not to train to be the best at someone else's job and hope it carries over. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking a little bit about this, sorry to drag it on a bit more, but um, CrossFit, say when they do the CrossFit Games more specifically, they say they've got the fittest in the world. It's like they've got no doubt they've got extremely fit people there, but they are the fittest in the world at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, they're the best CrossFit athletes in yeah. the world. Yeah. You can argue that they're the best like, athletes in the world. Mm. When you say Very they're competing good. against each other for a prize in competition, athlete, they're the best athletes in the world. You can't say they're the fittest individuals because fitness is different. Yeah. You say both fitness everyone. is very different. To exactly, athletes. he's the fittest 100 meter sprinter in the world, what he was. So, so you can say that across the games, they're, they are the fittest athletes in CrossFit, arguably athletes in terms of competing against another four individual prize. Yeah. But then how do you quantify that against a head athlete? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that last night when I couldn't get to sleep, just laying on the bed, like, hmm, <laughs> that's interesting. But I don't know if you've noticed like a couple of um, like videos where they talk about who they've got there. They they sometimes correct themselves and say the best crossfitter in the world. Mm. They say, oh, he's the fittest in the world, but he's the best crossfitter in the world. Yeah. So sometimes they do like, correct themselves and say mm. the best crossfitter. I think that's well, I quite admire the, I, the crossfit's methodology in that they, they've tried to put a, a mark, a flag, that plant a flag and say, this is what we think fitness is, more general and inclusive um, across as many domains as you possibly can think of as many variations as you can possibly think of i quite like their attempt or work capacity over board time and mobile domains i think is um i quite like their attempt to go yep yeah, this is where we think fitness is and but I, I i just don't think it can be quantified that easily the broader something is harder is to quantify how do you quantify someone being the fittest person in the world? Well, there could be someone that could outperform every single one of those athletes in eight out of the ten tasks. They just they've never heard of CrossFit before. Yeah. Well, are they fitter? Well, no, they're just not as good as CrossFit because they've done it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's quite interesting, isn't it? Another interesting subject. We could probably do another podcast on. Any final thoughts, Stefan? Uh. No, I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Just um, if you are considering a life in as a tactical athlete, whether that's emergency services, military, special forces, or any kind of manual labour, um, do your research. Make sure you know what you're getting into and what the requirements are of you in terms of physical fitness for that job uh, to make sure that you are a suitable candidate. Don't just go in with your eyes closed and expect to pass fitness test because you're semi-fit because as we just said fitness is specific to the task so if you've never done any of those tasks before you're not going to do very well um so make sure you do research yep and if you don't want to do the research come to us
bit for you. And, <laughs> and we'll help you get to where you want to be. We are um, working with several tactical athletes, um, from ranging from special forces down towards, for those that are special forces that have passed and those preparing for it, to the people working in the police, um, to doctors, to firefighters, to uh, paramedics, and tree surgeons, and car mechanics. Um, so, if you are spe specifically towards the the tactical, tactical military style, said medic, police, military, um, then get in touch, and we'll be able to see if we are right for you, and if we can help. If, if not. Until next time. Peace.